Welcome to Campfire Football. Today I'm just going to cover a few of the Saturday games and a few of the fun little stories from today. There wasn't a whole lot to really dive into. The Premier League came back after an FA Cup week. But I'm going to start with Turkey. Because an amazing, amazing thing. I saw this image. Uh, if you can, go ahead and check this out. Uh, it's uh, terrific. It's Sivaspor playing against Bashakshi here, and they played in total complete snow. And if you take a look at that picture, find one online between these two teams. One team is wearing orange, the other team is wearing white. And in so many pictures of this game, it is hard to actually even see the entire team wearing white. There's some photos where it looks like someone just edited all of them out, but they're there. You can see them. It's almost like a magic eye thing. You have to cross your eyes to actually see them. So that's just hilarious that that happened today. Kudos to them to play through the snow. I think that should be done more often. Look, if you're gonna ha- if you if you're gonna be able to take care of your pitch, terrific. If it's gonna destroy it for the next three months, maybe call the game off. But I thought that was great. Um, moving on to the Premier League football this morning, who would have thought that West Brom and Wolves would end three two for West Brom with Wolves having a two one lead at halftime? Very very un. Did not see that coming. Did not see that coming. The goals that West Brom scored were good, but they felt like they came kind of out of nowhere. And it seemed as if they were behind, and then bang, bang, all of a sudden they were ahead. And Wolves just didn't really seem to respond that well to it. They're struggling a little bit to get results, but they still look like a good team that's that's going to get somewhere. Now, I was really excited. I thought, oh, 3-2 between these two teams, it's going to be a good day. Especially if you're going to cap the day off with Leicester Southampton. These two teams score goals for fun. They attack like crazy. It should be awesome. Until Harvey Barnes scored at the very end of the day. It was going to be straight one nils for the next four matches. West Ham Burnley, I'm not sure I would have really expected a whole lot more. I do want to give some credit to Mikel Antonio. Two months out, comes back, scores a goal first day. He's just a guy I've always loved. Just his, his overall attitude, his way of playing the game. He seems like he could play any position you want. And because he's been most needed as a striker because of the qualities he brings, that's where he is now. But I've seen him play in multiple positions. And so credit to him. I love seeing him play. I hope he's not injured anymore this season. I'd love to see West Ham with him leading the line for them. Another 1-0 win. Chelsea Fulham. This was probably the most intense of the games today, I think. Obviously, with Chelsea in a position where they've been going on the run that they have been. Then at the same time, you have Fulham, who have have not lost in a while. Consecutive draws, but getting good results against good teams, drawing against Liverpool, drawing against Spurs, deserving and earning those draws. And today, they had the best chance of the first half. I thought the only player that really did well for Chelsea in the first half was Mason Mount. Everyone else looked a little bit... Not sure, a little bit timid. Maybe should we really attack? And Fulham played really, really well. I think the best player on the field in the first 44 minutes was Anthony Robinson, the young uh, young American international. He was incredible. He took Cesar Aspilicueta for the runaround the entire time. And I was genuinely concerned. I'm sitting there squirming as a Chelsea fan. I was like, this kid is going to be the reason we get scored on at some point today. Whether he scores, assists, or creates the chance with a run where he gets behind, this is the danger right now. And I'm just sitting there hoping, oh man, it would be nice to have Reese James's pace over there at the moment. 
But then Anthony Robinson gets himself red carded. And I feel bad for the kid because at that point in the game, I think Fulham's pressing all over was working really well. They were keeping Chelsea from being able to build out. They were putting Chelsea under more and more pressure. And with a few couple minutes left in the half, I think he probably just had that feeling like, no, we don't let them out. We keep them here. We try and get one before the half. And, yeah, I went in late, took Espilicueta out. Now, 10 years ago, I don't think that's a red card. I don't think it's a straight red. But the reason I think it's a valid straight red card is because, by definition, a sliding tackle is when you're sliding. And Anthony Robinson was about a foot and a half off of the ground when he went through Aspilicueta. So in that case, it's a little, it's just too dangerous. It's just a little too wild. But I do feel for him because he was excellent and now he's going to miss three games. And it's just a shame to see a player who's done so well and who was so dynamic and dangerous have that happen to him. But it, that is something that happens to young players. You see it every now and again. Mason Mount then goes ahead, scores the go-ahead goal for Chelsea. Callum Hudson-Odoi, I think, came on and made a big, big difference. His crossfield ball to Timo Werner, uh, a chance that Werner missed at the end of the game, very, very bad miss. But that ball from Hudson-Odoi was probably the pass of the match. And, yeah, Mason Mount deserves a lot of credit because he keeps he keeps doing the work. And when he's able to get a goal – his contribution in a game gets magnified because you see what he does on set pieces, the amount of work he does. And like I said, in the first half, he was the only Chelsea player really driving things forward, upping the tempo when he got the ball. And so I'm really happy for Mason Mount to have gotten that that goal and happy for Frank Lampard and Chelsea to have gotten that win. I'm not really concerned for Fulham to get relegated. I mean, it's a very tough league and anything can happen. But the way they're playing, there are significantly weaker teams in terms of cohesion and ability to come out and churn out uh, good performances consistently. They've been great for a couple months now. And they just need wins. They just need three points every now and again. And I think they'll get them, especially if they can maybe find one person to bring in who can score a few more goals for them. But big fan of Fulham as well. Look, I'm... Families from from Southwest London, Chelsea and Fulham are really kind of the two clubs that are really the backyard of where my family's from. I became a Chelsea fan young, so when I see these two teams play, I always want a good game. I do hope Chelsea edge it, but it was nice to see Fulham put up the fight, and I really want them to stay in the Premier League. Moving on to, actually, I really want to mention something about the Leicester-Southampton game because there were, you know, it was a good game. The, the flow of the game was was great. I think both teams attacked a whole lot. There was a lot of quality. They didn't seem bothered at all by the pitch. I don't think it was bad, but it did look a little slow. But still, the quality was great. The one thing I really want to mention is James Madison's celebration. So I mentioned yesterday in my episode about returning to COVID how the, the players might get a yellow card for hugging each other after a goal, right? And for not... So... But I also knew, you know, yes, passions run high. Maybe you score like a last-minute winner or something like that. Everyone forgets. But I'm sure players went ahead and planned out a bunch of celebrations for what they would do, knowing that, well, that's the fun thing. It's kind of like when fans went out of the stadiums, you had people going up and going like this, you know, putting their ears up when there was no one in the crowd or celebrating to an empty stand. Like, we saw that. And so today, James Madison scores a goal, and he waves everyone away from him at, at first, and then kind of does his own little hands-in-the-air, fist-bump celebration, 
and then does fake high fives to people near him and then does fake handshakes to people. <laughs> and they're all standing apart from each other. So I thought that was a great way to just kind of toss the message out there. Like, okay, well, we can't celebrate, then this is what we're going to do. So I enjoyed that. I think that was really fun. And the other match was Leeds against Brighton. Yeah, that was rough. Mostly because it felt like watching a game, a Premier League match of mid-table sides from the 90s. Because the pitch was bad. I mean, there was not what we see anymore at really at the highest level at all. There were divots all over the place. The ball moved just erratically. But what I will say is Brighton deserve enormous credit because they just they mastered the condition. They they played to the best of their abilities. They kept the ball moving. They played two touch, three touch football, drove when they needed to, and honestly didn't really look at all pressed. They didn't look like they were hanging on for their result in any way. Leeds, on the other hand, look, I think an off day for Leeds, every single one of the passes almost was just off. Whether it was a connected ball or not, you could see that the weight was tended to be wrong, the the, the accuracy was just a little off, and a team like Leeds, if their quick, short passing game is just off, they they really struggle. And today, they, they couldn't get the ball to Bamford. They only had maybe two or three nice flowing moves that they attempted throughout the game, but they just couldn't get the passes right. So, look, great for Brighton to get three points. They've deserved to get three points on more occasions this season. And today they outplayed Leeds, totally deserved three points. It would have been really harsh on Brighton if Leeds would have found a way to score late. So I'm glad that didn't happen. And the one thing I just want to end on here, this is a, a little commentary complaint. Now, I know that all of us have different opinions on who we like, who we don't. There's some shows and maybe podcasts and things that don't interest me whatsoever that some people adore, right? I've never been a, been a big fan of Men in Blazers. I've always kind of felt it was more made for like kids, honestly. But people love it. And I respect I respect the work. I respect what they do. Um, there, there are plenty of things like that, right? But when it comes to pundits and commentators, it's amazing how separated our viewpoints can be here. Because there's some people who, for instance, like Tim Howard, who I think is perfectly fine. He's perfectly good on NBCSN. But I know a couple of people who cannot stand listening to him. Like, they just want to mute it when he goes on the TV. So that's an example, right? For me, I personally do not really enjoy listening to Arlo White. As a matter of fact, very frequently if I see he's on commentary... I will go and find the Spanish version of the game because I can understand what they're saying. And quite frankly, they're way more measured, far more intelligent in what they say and what in what kind of topics they bring up. And overall, it's better in my opinion. But here is my biggest complaint about what Arlo White did. He said two things today, which I think drove me crazy. So first one was Olivier Giroud is running towards the ball. Um... The defender comes right against him, and with Giroud's arm is, you know, this is Joe Kim Anderson runs next to him. Giroud's arm is right next to his body, and as he's running, it leans up a little bit. Joe Kim Anderson as well leans into Giroud. Apparently, Anderson gets sort of hit in the cheekbone with Giroud's elbow, but when you look at the replay, Giroud's arm is literally at his side the whole time, Right. So he's holding his head. So VAR goes ahead and has a look, of course. Player goes down holding his head. Maybe there was an elbow. 
and while you're while the pictures on the field you could see the referee with his hand on his ear listening to the VAR and they wrapped this check up right away i mean it was like yeah no this is nothing so the referee agrees Graham Lasso looks at the replay and goes yeah i mean it's he's not throwing an elbow he's not trying to he's not trying to do anything it seems more incidental than anything so we can move on right about a minute after this all happens, play has resumed, commentary and analysts and analysts has resumed, and Arlo White's just got to go back to it. He cannot help himself. He needs to drudge it up because even though there's good football or players to talk about who are doing well and there's maybe good technique or tactics, it's a storyline that he needs. That's He's a juicy, juicy storyline guy. That's what his whole thing is. So he needed to revisit it. He said... Should there have been more attention placed on that Giroux elbow? Now, keep in mind what he just said. He said that Giroux elbow. So if I say that to you, you're thinking, oh, Giroux maybe did extended elbow out, kind of intentional. And then if I were to show you the replay, you'd be like, that? So it's frustrating that he needs to go back to it. He wants to. And I understand the reason why. It's because these are fun, salacious storylines, essentially. It's, ooh, someone maybe could have gotten a yellow or red card for an incident that VAR, Graham Lasso, and the referee all said, done, we're moving on. But Arlo White couldn't move on. It happened again in the second half. When Mason Mount scored his goal, if you take a look at the replay a few times, you can see that Alphonse Ariola is not going to save this ball. It is a few feet away from him, closer to the corner, and he's being screened. He's not going to save this. He cannot dive early enough. There's just no way. The shot's too strong. It's not at him. He's not going to save it. And he's made plenty of great saves and has been a great goalkeeper all day. Two, three minutes after the goal. right? Again, play has resumed. We've moved on. There's new things that have been happening. Two, three minutes after the goal, again, Arlo White, he goes... Can we blame Alphonse Ariola for uh, the goal? You're just asking. Can we can can we troll him for that? Can we throw him under the bus? I don't know. You know, to me that that tells a lot. Now, if you are watching commentary, this is my this is my piece of advice to any of you out there. When you're watching a game and you listen to the commentary, are they talking about the substance of the game and what you see, or do they keep pulling out? headlines from newspapers or social media or whatever that you've seen, right? My biggest complaint about Arlo White during the return to play at the end of 2020 was every time a player touched the ball who had had any kind of lockdown restriction mishap, he he talked about it over and over and over. He talked about Declan Rice and Mason Mount going in a park and playing football and how they broke regulations and need to understand the rules. He said that Repeatedly, it was four, like six months later, he's still talking about it. So I just want everyone to think about this when you're watching games, because we can also demand better commentary. At the end of the day, you know, if they're all paying attention to what's being said on social media and someone like Karen Carney can almost get axed because everyone gets so angry. Well, maybe let's start to point out the people who are lazy and just a little dumb and just trying to find whatever little drama they can. Someone needs to just give the guy his, like, he can commentate big brother of professional footballers all living in a house. He would be ace at that. 
that's just my little rant about the commentary. Other than that, hope you all enjoyed the football, and we'll be back tomorrow. This is Campfire Football. Have a great day.